I'm not sure, uh, God, why my um, my spirit, I disturb is not the right word, just um, my spirit just wants to mark this moment, God. Because I'm guessing that, that other people are like me and that that what what is almost a, a statement of faith for me. God, I believe with all my heart that that nothing is better than you. And 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 you are the prize. You are our sure reward. And God, it's not just a, a temporary thing, though it is very present and real right now, God. Um it's also something that is going to last for eternity. God, what could possibly compare to that? And I guess the dissonance that I'm feeling, God, is it's not, it's not between my heart and my mind. I, was, I don't think that's it. I think it's between my heart and my mind and my body. God, I'm living like I don't believe that's true. Well, everything within me says it is. So, God, thank you that you are our peace. You break down every wall between Jew and Gentile, yes, but also between mind and heart and between heart and action and body, God. Thank you that, that, that you bring us together. You give us integrity as we anchor ourselves in the one who defines integrity, as, as we anchor ourselves in Christ, then we find, God, everything we need to live the Christ life out in real time, in this place, in this moment. So we give you all praise and glory, Jesus. We lift you up, believing that you are our rock, our fortress. Believing the promise that if we will lift you up, that you will draw us, that you will draw every man, woman, student, child to yourself. So be lifted up, would you? Be magnified, Jesus, in our life. And we, we confess that even as we do that, that, that we hear the voices of the world around us saying, who do you think you are? We hear the accusations of the evil one saying, if you were really a child of God, then you would not have said that or done that or thought that. Lord, we, we hear our own flesh condemning us. So it is by faith this morning we do two things. It is by faith this morning that we say, Lord, forgive us our sins, for they are many. They are many. But we believe that the blood of Christ is sufficient for our shortcomings. We believe that the blood of Christ is sufficient for our failures. We believe that his forgiveness cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that mercy and grace that you have bestowed on us. But God, we believe also that through faith, Christ dwells in us and lives out his life through us. And so 
So having been forgiven, we now look to you again. We gaze, as we did last week, upon your beauty, God. And, and we ask that you would grant us the courage now to represent Jesus, to live in our world as Christ would were he here in the faith, in, 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 in reality, God. And so, so, God, we ask you that, that people who look to us would not see us broken and frail, um, they would see instead Jesus, glorious. And, and that through Jesus, they might find life. Oh, God, thank you that you grant us everything we need, even, even while the words are still in our minds and on our, our lips. You are already moving to answer that cry. Now, give us the courage to live out that Christ life. In real time. Jesus, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. No matter what the cost to us. In Jesus' name. Amen? Wow. Wow. Uh, Would you turn to the scriptures, however you access them on your phone and the Pew Bible in front of you and, and your own personal Bible. Would you, um, you have noticed that we've been in, in the greatest teaching the world has ever known. It's, it's so interesting to me how periodically we come back to that teaching because it speaks in myriad ways to our life situation. We're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In particular, today we are in, um, we are in Matthew chapter 6. And even while you're turning there, I'm going to go back in that chapter, and we'll pick up our, our screens here in just a moment. I'm going to go back and give you uh, what we have seen last week, and also even before that, um, in Matthew 6 is a lot of the, uh, the life-giving keys to the freedom that we desire in Jesus. Hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Hang on, slideshow. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. In order to be seen by them, Jesus says, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So he's reacting to the false religion of the people around him. Thus, and in my Bible I have a circle, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when, there it is again, when you pray. So Jesus is assuming that the the Christ life includes a generous lifestyle. He's, including, he's assuming that the Christ life is a prayerful life. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. That is all that they get, right? But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. And here's what I was echoing a moment ago. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Wow. Now jump with me, if you would, down to verse 14. Not because what happened in between is not important, but because it's very familiar to you. Verse 14 And now look, instead of saying when you forgive, now he says, Jesus says, if, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, and when you fast, assuming again that you fast, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's the context for this. Now we're picking up last week's passage. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, do you remember that? Do you remember that? If you are generous, Jesus is saying, using the Hebrew idiom, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, Hebrew idiom, if you're, if you're stingy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And we summarized last week by saying, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now we're on our passage for today. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Isn't it interesting that he summarizes Mammon with those three things, what you will eat and what you drink and what you will wear, right? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, right? Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour, uh, literally a single cubit, right? One arm length to the span of life. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then he uses that term that he used of his disciples many times, little faiths. 
O ye of little faith, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, here it is again, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Amen? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Um, Lord, I'm so mindful of the mystery that is your word. How how it spoke to so many of us just just then as we read it. It spoke to many of us as they heard it. All the auditory learners, God, you were you were speaking. But God, our great desire is not just to have the words fall on our ears, but to be changed by them and and to be set free. God, my heart's just breaking for those who struggle today with worry and fear and anxiety. Oh God, would you free us? Begin even now. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, last week we began this this new series, um, Generous, right? Where your treasure lies. And last week we we use that double entendre a little bit to talk a little bit about the problem, right? The problem is treasure, our treasure, lies to us. We saw last week that that it, it, money says to us, I'll make you happy. Money says, I'll make you successful. I will always provide for you. I will be your security. I will always be with you. I am enough, money says, mammon says. I will save you. I can give you life. And we were so struck last week by, by realizing that, that, um, that God is the only one who can say that thing. Right? All those you could have said, God says instead, and it would be true. So that, that's not a surprise, is it? The mammon uh, takes after what happened in the garden, right? Um, mammon lies to us. Mammon, if you weren't with us, mammon is, is money and things, and we said last week, stuff, right? Stuff. Another lie that struck me, even as I was summarizing that again, was um, mammon says it's never enough. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. Here's the reality from last week. You can put mammon, you can put money in its rightful place. You can do it, right? Why is this so critical? We saw last week, because where, now where your treasure is, right, where your mammon is, that is where your heart will be also. And I, I just have to say this in my own life, as I look at my own life, and honestly, as your pastor, as I look at your vulnerabilities and see you struggle sometimes, it's, it's because a, a lot of the issues are because of our, the things that we treasure and where where we put our 
treasure. And we summarized last week with Jesus' words. You just heard them again. You cannot serve God and money. Right? Can't happen. Right? Those two things are polar opposites. And we were so surprised. Do you remember that? Uh, we were so surprised because we would have said the opposite of God is Satan. And in this passage, what he's saying is, no, the real threat to you and, and maybe Satan's foothold in your life is mammon. It's stuff. We learned last week that money is a terrible master, right? It's a terrible master. But God is an amazing master. Some of you are struggling right now with, I don't want anything to be a master. And I'm thinking back to, to Bob, right, in the song, you're going to serve somebody. Um, it's going to be the devil or it can be the Lord, but you are going to serve somebody. No, I say choose your master very carefully. Money's a terrible master. God is an amazing master. Money can't save you. God can. God can save you. We saw last week, and we'll come back to this in the weeks ahead, you cannot take money with you when you die. You cannot take stuff with you. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling as I say that because uh, um, for whatever reason, Karen and I have, have been the follow-up on three different households when, when the household owners have passed away. And, and, and it's a lot of stuff. And I'm not even talking about my garage. I'm, I'm talking about other people's stuff, right? You can't. Take it with you, and it's going to remain here. But you can, in this miracle of God's economy, you can invest it in the future. You can send it on ahead. So the problem we saw last week is that your treasure lies to you. And the solution, part of the solution that challenged last week was to think about where your treasure now lies, where your treasure is. But, but let me just... For today, just say what is. Let's look at one aspect of the solution. Let's 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 look one particular part of that. What is the solution? Don't let your money slash things slash stuff. Don't let mammon enslave you. Enslave you. Well, wait. You say, I'm. I'm not, I'm not a slave to anything, right? I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor Dave. I'm not a slave to anything. And I say to you, really? Really? Wow. Wow. The most dangerous slavery is the slavery we cannot see, right? Or that we will not recognize um, Jesus said money and mammon are going to want to enslave you. So I'm going to believe that you're like me and you fight that battle on a daily basis. Well, So three dangers, I think, uh, to watch for. And I just want to anchor ourselves again as we build a, 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 a basis, a financial and money basis for our lives. Three dangers. First of all is the danger of debt. Let me just remind you of this. This is stuff that we all know and we all get suckered into on a regular basis, right? 
debt. Uh, in Proverbs 22, verse 7, uh, we read, The rich rules over the poor. And, and, and at some future point, we'll explore this together. Um, let me just say that most of us have felt ruled over by the rich at some point. We've, we've sat around a Denny's table and we've whined and complained about, about how uh, we are oppressed by those with more resources or more power we perceive than ourselves. But let me just, let me just put a, a, a little bookmark in here and say, if you look at the uh, global um, picture, then, then we are blessed. Amen? I'm going to say that differently because it's not as comfortable as saying we are blessed. I love that word, by the way. Um, we are rich. We are rich. I'll share with you that I did it again. I looked up online. You can Google that. Um, punch in um, your conservative baseline of the resources that you have access to, and you will, fall, you will be astounded at where you fall on, on a national scale first, but then secondly, on a global scale. And let me just add one more scale for fun. Uh, how about on the scale of those who have ever lived? Most of us, uh, and we'll explore this in depth in another time, but most of us are wealthier. We live in the top 10% of all the people who have ever walked the face of the earth. You're going, are you nuts? And, and I'm not. I'm not. What I'm saying is watch what you compare yourself to, Right? Watch what you compare yourself to. Because our standard is not the people around us, right? We are uniquely blessed to live in this country. Uh, wow, I never want to take that for granted. I'm grateful for that gift of God. But we're accountable for that. We're accountable for that. And, and, uh, and not just on a global scale, but on a, on a scale of all those who've ever lived. I, I, I was teased by that thought several years ago when we were talking about this, of what it would be like to walk in Pharaoh's, um, in Pharaoh's mansion or whatever, right? Uh, uh, in a lot of ways, your mansion is better than his, right? Wow, wow. So, so be careful about what you compare yourself. We are the rich. The rich rule over the poor. And look at this. The borrower is a what? Slave to the lender. And if you've ever, if you've ever been caught in debt, particularly debt at what is, I don't even know what credit cards are nowadays, but 24% maybe, right? Um, that's, how about check writing things, right? Even worse, right? If you've ever been caught in that, you know what it's like. You have experienced that slavery. It is. It is oppressive. I don't mean to belittle this at all, but I've shared with you before that my first experience of this was um, when I was, let's see, I would have been six years old. I lived in Okinawa. Um, I, I'm still mad about this, but my allowance, are you ready for this? My allowance at six years old was one cent a week. I, I, it was just mom and dad's first initial foray into helping me understand the value of it. By the way, uh, movies um, in Okinawa in 19, whenever that was, 64, were 15 cents, right? So you get a little bit of context there. Um, 
here's the deal. I got, I got an allowance. And immediately, um, my sisters uh, loaned me money, right? I, within days of getting my allowance, I was deeply in debt. Deeply. I owed seven cents to my sister. And I... I can picture myself. Isn't that weird how different life experiences? You can tell. You can smell what was going on. You can see it. I can picture myself in the hallway of that military house on Okinawa, leaning up against the wall and saying, my life is ruined. Right? My life is ruined. I don't mean to belittle this, right? Um, But that enslaves you. And it enslaves six-year-olds. And it enslaves... 65-year-olds, right? Um, debt enslaves you. And, and so, so what we want to do is we want to break the bondage of, of mammon. We want to break the bondage of debt. And you've seen already, you've already filled in the blank probably, the, the danger of debt is the problem of compound interest, right? That it doesn't just stay that way. Uh, and, and by the way, the Bible has all kinds of teachings about how to be the body of Christ together, how to be the people of God together, how to help meet one another's needs without incurring debt. Um, But the danger of debt in our culture is compound interest, right? And so so as you see where your money goes, many of us are going to find that a lot of our money goes toward maintenancing debt, right? And one of the things that Brian is going to help you with if you find yourself in that place, whether you're a six-year-old with seven cents of debt uh, um, or whether you are a 65-year-old with thousands of dollars of, of, of debt, um, there's, there is a way to use compound interest in your own benefit, right? To, to, to make it work for you rather than against you. There is a way to, and, and it's a term that you'll learn in that study called the, the debt snowball, to reduce that debt and that it's very possible for you to be debt-free. Now, some of you just said, no way on God's green earth. No way. Um, let me just remind you, with God, all things, help me, don't leave me hanging, are possible, all right? He wants you to be free, child of God, right? He wants you to be free. And, and in his word and in the, in the body of Christ, in, in the fellowship of believers, there is a way. There is a way. So, so let's just recognize that, that there is this huge danger. And I, I don't have time today, but this thing just keeps sneaking into my life. You know, because I'm a sucker for free things. And so people will say to me, you can have this free for three months. And I, I also have addictions. And you put, you put a sucker for free things like coffee and the sip club uh, at whatever, Panera Bread. And all of a sudden, I'm paying $12 a month without realizing it, right? Uh, now, now, if I drink my coffee every day at Panera, that works. And, and let me just say right off the bat, there is debt that is good if you handle it well. The problem is most of us don't handle it well, right? So, so there's a huge danger of debt 
Um, there's this huge danger of compound interest, but we're going to find ways to make it work in our favor instead. But I want to say today, the goal of today is to, to recognize that um, there's a, a, a greater danger even than debt. And it's been up on the screen for quite a while, I think. The danger is worry or fear, right? Fear. Don't be afraid. 365 times in Scripture. Why? Because we're vulnerable to that. It's a greater danger. And fear will make you do stupid things. Amen? Uh, Wow. Fear will drive you to do something that you could not have comprehended a a day ago or a week ago. And, And so Jesus says to us, I tell you, therefore, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. What are you talking about? Well, where will the money come from? I'm, I'm worrying about that, right? Uh, and, 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 and I understand. I'm, I'm retiring, right? I understand those kinds of things. Where, will there be enough money, right? Will there be enough? And by the way, everything in the world is to tell you that no, there won't be enough and you've got to do this, this, and this in order to protect yourself because your God is not able to provide for your needs. Your family, your spiritual family, is not able to provide for your needs, right? There would not be enough, and by God, you better lie awake at night thinking about that, right? And then that, that third related question, what, what happens if it runs out, right? What happens if it runs out? Now, again, I'm vulnerable to this, right? I'm thinking about different stuff. I'm thinking about my wife. What happens uh, if I were to pass away? The track record for men is not so good in our fast food culture, right? Um, what if I pass away? Will there be enough? What, you know, will the money? I, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm not preaching at you things that I'm not preaching at me, too. Uh, I'm vulnerable to these things. Jesus says, don't worry, right? And he gives you those two beautiful uh, uh, examples of, of the birds of the air, right? They don't worry, right? And your Heavenly Father provides for them. He's that incredible uh, example of the lilies of the field, right? In splendor and glory greater than the glory of Solomon, right? God is able to do that. Don't worry. Uh, there, there is a danger of debt. There is a danger, a greater danger to me, and I believe in Scripture, of, of becoming a, a, a person of worry. But I'm going to say, and forgive me for harping on this, I come back to this over and over again, but, but I'm going to say there's even greater danger than that, than worry. And the danger is if you refuse to find your peace in what Christ says is true, then, then what worry gives way to anxiety, right? To, to, um, to, if, if worry has a, uh, uh, an object to it, um, uh, I'm thinking of you, Chad, uh, needles are not your favorite thing, right? Uh, Chad's been so open-hearted about this, right? Um, if worry has an object to it, if you, if you worry long enough, we've said if you, your feeler gets stuck at an 8 or 9 or a 10 for long enough, what happens? Then all of a sudden it comes disassociated from any object and you just live in anxiety. Now, that's, that's Dave's definition of these things. I don't know if it will hold up to, to um, academic stuff. I do know, though, when in the brief moments in my life where all of a sudden I found myself anxious for nothing... 
Right? There is no object, but I found myself anxious for it. If fear has an object, anxiety is fear without an, an, an object, which is immeasurably worse, right? So, so we see the dangers out there, right? Uh, how does it work? How does money and things and stuff enslave? Let me just put an initial foray out there, and we'll continue to study this over the next four weeks, but, 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 um, envy and lust for things that you don't have. And, and especially in our culture, those things just pop up on your screen. And I, I'm a sucker for them, right? Um, uh, I, a beautiful leather belt flashed on my screen. Um, and, and I looked at it, the price was really good. I'm thinking, I'm going to be a good steward of my, of God's money. I actually gave away my thing, didn't I? Of my money. And and uh, and instead of uh, going through one of uh, Target's belts every two years, I'm going to get this lifetime belt. Right, right. Looked really good. By the time I was done, it was double what that little tickler thing was. Right. By the time, oh my goodness, look at them just getting sucked into this. Right. I want. I envied this this this. I think it was Buffalo belt or something. Right. And. And wanted something I didn't have, and all of a sudden I'm enslaved, right? How about, how about borrowing more than you can repay in a, in a timely manner? I wanted to say, real again, money is neutral, right? And even something like borrowing, I, I'm not going to tell you don't borrow. There's, way, there's reasons that you would borrow that, that are good, uh, reasons where money is appreciating rather than depreciating. There's just, there's, there, but, but don't borrow more than you can Repay, right? In a, in a timely manner. And for many of us, if not most of us, I would say the safer thing is, is to not borrow at all. We, um, we borrowed uh, to get a 2014, in 2014, um, Sienna. And interestingly enough, it was called at the time a swag wagon. That should have been my first clue, right? A swag wagon. Anybody else have a swag wagon? Um, and and it's been a beautiful thing, right? And we paid it off, but we paid we paid interest on that, right? And so we paid a lot more than the obscene price that it had to begin with, right? And so the next time we bought a car, we bought a 2007 Avalon for cash, right? And it had 60,000 miles on it. And and um, and and we didn't have any interest on it. We're about to buy a 2012 Camry, um, and and uh, it has 38,000 miles on it, right? And 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 we won't buy it until we can pay cash for it, right? Because because it's so easy to get sucked into this deal, right? Uh, envy and lust, borrowing more than you can repay in a timely manner. But as we'll see in a week or two, um, there's also just pure greed, right? Seeking or retaining more than you need. Oh my goodness, next week, I cannot wait. Next week, we're going we're gonna to speak to our money again, right? We're going to speak to our money and, and put it in its place and and, and a big part of that is being very careful about what you really need. It's 
So how does it enslave envy, lust, borrowing, greed, right? How do you discern if you're vulnerable? The reason I went back and picked up the first few verses of chapter 6, it just looks like religious teaching, right? Like, like things that you heard from day one that you ought to do, but I want you to apply it to mammon, right? I, this is in the same paragraphs as our discussion of mammon he said you know the question is how do we discern if we're vulnerable it's right there when you pray when you pray right ask god god uh, like you pray for your children and your grandchildren uh, like you pray for yourself pray that god would give you the discernment god where am i vulnerable where and, and many times we know already, right? And so own that. I confess, God. I know I'm vulnerable here. I know I messed up, God, and I'm 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 paying the price for that here. But but um, it's such a gift of God to be able to talk to Him. And again, I'm sorry, I always come back to it, but it's such a great prayer, right? Is it Psalm 139 for somebody to escape me? You know, search me, oh God, know my heart, right? Try me, know my, help me. Know my anxious ways, right? See if there's any hurtful way in me. That's a prayer of discernment. And lead me in the way everlasting, he finishes, right? Um, That's a prayer of discernment. How can you discern where you're vulnerable? Talk to God, right? I'm so grateful for three or four groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I, uh, where, where the body that I'm a part of, and usually it's men's groups that I'm thinking of, many of you are in couples groups or multi-generational uh, groups, um, there's wisdom in those groups, right? Seek the counsel of people who are wise, right? Uh, and, 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 and just tell them, uh, it seems like that you're way ahead of me in this, in this issue, right? Um, seek the counsel of those people. Help me. What should I do? How can I follow Jesus in how I handle mammon? But, but watch for people who are free, too, who are free, who've broken the chains of bondage. A lot of our counsel is what should be, but that we haven't actually experienced because we haven't actually put it into practice. Pray and seek the counsel of people who are wise and free. But how... Ultimately, can you break the grip of mammon? Come on up, worship team, if you would. How do you break the grip of mammon on your heart? Right? The secret was right there. It went by so fast, right? Prioritize the kingdom of God, right? Now, now again, the kingdom of God is now. It's completely present right now. But it is the only thing that's going to last into eternity, Right? And so ask yourself, are the actions that I'm taking, are these actions in light of eternity? Or are these actions in light of uh, my desires and my, my, I'm going to use a stronger word, my lusts right now, right? Prioritize the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these other things. Clothes, food, drink, you know, all these other things will be added to you as well. But also, I, I'm, I'm thinking that, especially as Presbyterians, we're not very good at this. Um, uh, all the time you encounter the world uh, and you don't speak back to the world, right? All the time you encounter the evil one and you don't speak back to it. Some of our brothers recently were just talking about it. You can say 
be gone, evil one, in Jesus' name, right? And he will be gone, right? He has no power over you. But, but, but we, then we, we just forget that we can speak also to the mammon in our lives, right? Speak truth to the things, to the money, to the stuff that would seek to enslave you and say to it, you do not own me. You don't own me. I will not be your slave, right? And then train. Oh, the analogies are so many, but I don't have time for them. But train yourself to be generous. To be generous. And I just want to remind you again of the gifts of God in the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. You can break the power of mammon over yourself by fasting. Now, it might be that your particular vulnerability is food, but that fasting is not just for food. You might need to fast from the Internet. By the way, we're coming up on the season of Lent where traditionally people have said, I'm going I'm to break the bondage of something over me. Uh, you can fast from alcohol. You can fast from, from TV or, or that program that, that you know is not feeding your soul. Right, but sucking the life out of you, you can fast. You can break that. You can stop that. Doesn't mean forever necessarily. You're not saying those things are inherently bad. You're just saying I'm not going to let them rule over me. You can fast when you fast. Jesus said, right? You can give. You can give. Uh, you can give generously, right? I can say I'm going to restructure myself so that. I can be generous to other people. I can be generous to the last and the least and the lost. I can be generous to the kingdom of God, right? Give. We'll explore that more in the coming weeks. But, but choose to orient your life to give. And oftentimes for Karen and I, we had to make that commitment before all the other things fell into alignment. We didn't wait to be generous. Um, to God or to other people, right? We started with that. We started with that. And then I do not want to miss this. Um, we usually think of forgiveness when people have wronged us. But there is a, there's an economic component to forgiveness as well. And that is um, that every seven years, God challenged them to forgive debt, right? Every, every jubilee to to, um, to let go of any obligation, anyone. Wow, wow, wow. You might have loaned somebody something or in your mind it was a loan. Think, think about this, right? Think about forgiveness. Wouldn't that be... I know I, I, I should have looked it up in the news, but I know that there, there is um, an issue right now for student debt going on. I know that you feel very strongly about different things about this. I know that sometimes uh, a government can say, well, we're going to forgive something, and it doesn't mean necessarily that they're forgiving. It means that the burden is being put somewhere else. I know all that stuff, but let's just press pause and all that and say, what if you could, like that person who owned, what did it turn out to be, like $6 billion? Jesus was just ridiculous in his example. And someone said, no more. No more is that burden on you, right? Maybe in some small way you can do that for someone. I still am amazed. Um, about once a year, uh, I'm in a fast food line or somewhere, 
And I've calculated it out. I got the change out. I got it out of my little change thing. I got the exact change right there. And I'm so proud of myself. And I pull up the window. 512. This is going to be 512. Sounds a lot like a chalupa box at, at uh, Taco Bell, doesn't it? Um, it's going to be 512. And, and, and the person says to me, oh, the people ahead of you paid for your lunch. And now they're gone, right? Now they're gone. I can't even, I can't even get a license number. I, I, and I'm just going, oh, I, I didn't need them to do that. But when they did, I was blessed. I was, I was blessed. Wow. The great gift of God is that you can train yourself to be generous and you do not have to wait until you're financially free to do that. In fact, I would say that's where it begins. Start now. Um, think about your debt. Think about the things that are consuming you. Be wise. List all those debts this week. And, and, and as he recommends, start with, with the smallest one and, and get that victory of paying off that small debt and then, and then add that money to your larger debts until you are debt-free. Wouldn't that be... You are going to stand before the Lord, and you're going to be completely debt-free. But remember I said in the prayer earlier, um, you can live the Christ life right now. And and, uh, I want you to be free. I want you to be debt-free. Oh, my goodness. Well, the question comes back to where we began today. What is it that will be enough for you, right? What is it that will set you free? Uh, I don't know about you. But I want to say to my dad, I want to say to Mammon, I want to say no more lies. I want to say to Mammon, Christ is enough for me. Would you say that with me? Christ is enough for me. So something just happened. Your mind and your heart kind of, kind of bumped there. And your mouth actually said something. Would you say it one more time and see if it happens again? Christ is enough for me. Oh, my goodness. Stand with us, would you?